Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Congregation today. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 48. And I'm reading a slightly different version than probably most of you. But it says, earthly people are like the earthly man. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into the bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Everybody say victory. victory. Our death, oh death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is a sting that results in death, and law gives sin its power. But thank God. Everybody say, thank God. He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do is ever useless or in vain. Amen. Why don't you set your Bibles down next to you? We will go to the Lord in prayer one last time, just that he would bless the remainder of this service. Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank you for every heart that is represented in this place. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have in store for us. Lord, that we would receive you with love, God. Lord, that the words that would be spoken would be received in love, given in love. Lord, we just want more of you today, Jesus. More than anything, we want you. Lord, we pray for your victory to encompass us, Lord, to go all around us today in your house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated today. I'm going to start this morning by talking about something very dear to, to pretty much all of us in here, and that is traditions. Traditions. Anybody have traditions in the house? Anybody going through traditions right now? It's that time of year. And then we all have traditions, some new traditions, some, some old traditions, some we love and some we wish we could stop loving, right? But they're traditions, they're things that we do routinely, they're things that we uh, value enough to keep uh, an important part of our life. Especially this time of year, we love to demonstrate our traditions. We have special playlists made up of songs that are made specifically for one holiday. Mind you, these should only be played for said holiday. After Thanksgiving, y'all, okay? Let's get that straight before we go any further. But we have special songs we sing to, to, that are traditional to us because of the time of year. We decorate our homes because it's tradition to put lights or wreaths or, or garland or whatever it is that we put up. We wear ugly sweaters on purpose. Because it's tradition and it's something we like to do for the fun of it. We gather with friends and with our families to do something special. We celebrate and we call it tradition. 
I love the post that uh, you can find on our Facebook page, probably still yet, um, where it gives you two columns and you're supposed to choose for the holiday. I know we did one for Thanksgiving. I'm sure there's one coming for Christmas as well, where it's like, are you an apple pie guy? Or are you a, a pumpkin pie guy? Are you a online shopping person? Are you a nap person? You know, what kind of, I love seeing that because it lets me know what your traditions are. Just in those few, you know, five options that you can choose from, it kind of tells me what values you place in your home at that time of year. So I, I love seeing traditions. I love learning about uh, other people's traditions. Uh, we just went this, this past week, uh, we took our, our children, Morgan and I took our children down to Branson and went to see the lights at Silver Dollar City for the first time. Maybe a tradition. May become a tradition if we can afford it. But we have these traditions. We make them up from year to year. Some we have that are longstanding. Uh, one of probably my longest standing traditions is one that I, I absolutely love. First of all, does anybody still get a paper on Thanksgiving Day? Yes? Okay, papers are like five bucks now, y'all. It's crazy. But I am someone that I don't buy the paper. I let my mom do it for me. But I love it when I walk in on Thanksgiving Day and there's a newspaper sitting there. Because I cannot stand to go just walk up and down the aisles of every store. But one day out of the year, I can sit there and I can open a newspaper and I can see the very best deals that every store under the sun has. And so I will sit there and I will go through these ads and I will thumb through it. And what typically ends up happening is I'm like, oh, look at this. That, that $1,000 shotgun I wanted is marked down to $959 now. What a bargain. Babe, did you see this? We could save $31 here. I guess that'd be $41, but whatever. See, I cheated myself. I would have got it if I said 41 the first time. But we go through and we find these bargains. It's something I, I've always enjoyed doing, or, or uh, even funnier yet is when you go through and you're looking at stuff that you wouldn't usually buy. Like, for me, I don't know. I think I've been in a Bed Bath & Beyond one time in my entire life, and it was like two weeks ago. But I will go through the Bed Bath & Beyond ad, and I'm like, would you look at that? This toaster... We'll make your coffee, start your car, brush your teeth, everything for you, and it's only $349, right? There's all this stuff you find in there that you know you have zero use for. But it's a bargain. It's a deal. And so I, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite traditions. I will sit there, and I will go through the paper for two hours and, and find maybe one or two items worth buying at all. Now, the fun part. And uh, me and Sister Sharon Young, we have to go sometime because she apparently is an in-store shopper. Ain't Black Friday people in here. All right. Um, if you've never been Black Friday shopping, don't. <laughs> Just don't, okay? Um, I'm fortunate enough to be a six foot one, six foot two, moderately built guy. So I'm really like, I just stand still and everybody has to move around me. You know, I don't really get get trampled very often, but it is absolutely hilarious to me, and I've done it since I was a kid. We would go Black Friday shopping, and I would go, and I would sit there, and I would watch these grown adults, all right? Hunter, we're not talking about guys your size. We're talking grown adults that will stand there, and they will fist fight to save $14 on a Barbie doll. It's like, tis the season. Merry Christmas. All the thankfulness from yesterday is now gone because I need to save $14. Even as a teenager, me and my buddies, two 16-year-old boys and a Camaro going Black Friday shopping. 
Okay. Maybe I should just stop there. But even at that age, we would love to go. We'd love to go watch uh, uh, people shop, watch the madness, see how long the lines are for commodity items that, quite frankly, you can go buy without a line right now for maybe a dollar more. But it's tradition. It's tradition. It's something I've always done. It's something uh, I will probably continue to do just because I enjoy doing it. So we have these traditions. They entertain us. They make us happy. They're good for our emotions and our families. But, but your traditions can only take you so far in life. Your traditions only bring so much joy. I hate to be the Debbie Downer here, and please don't, you know, get upset with me. But January 2nd will still come. And the holidays will be over and many of our traditions will be set aside, and now we are back to just everyday life. And so although I love traditions, although I think they're great, and I'm in no way trying to bash them in any way, I have many of my own, uh, uh, they are something that come and go. Even in church, we have traditions. We enjoy them, and they help us. I like to walk into church knowing what is about to take place. Anybody else like that? Like, if there's a change, you're like, wait, what is going on? They only sang this many songs today? I know some of y'all like that because I see you looking around. Like, <laughs> But I like to know what's going to take place. And so I walk in every Sunday, and I know we're going to sing a few songs. Pastor's going to come up. He's going to preach always a great message. We're going to pray for a few minutes, and then we're going to go home. And even though that that it is tradition, it's something that we find ourselves doing routinely, and we learn to value it because it's safe, and we know really there's nothing that can go wrong there. And if this train does come off the rails, you know you only got one song left, right? Like before it's it's time for everybody to sit down, and the pastor comes up, and so we have all these different traditions and ways of of entertaining ourselves and making ourselves feel better and making our lives easier. Nothing's wrong with it. It works. It helps us. We become accustomed to things that that make us better. But you tell me this. If we walk in next Sunday and pastor decides he's going to preach first and sing second, are you all going to be upset about it? I don't think anybody's going to get up and walk out. I hope not. If so, let's pray after church. We'll get it figured out before next week comes. Okay? Uh, I don't think that's that's going to happen. Uh, Understand today that, that I find nothing wrong with tradition. I find nothing wrong with doing things that make us happy. But understand that traditions are nothing more than a celebration of what preceded us. Traditions and all their goodness and all their glory, all they are is a celebration of something that has already happened. We're reliving something because we enjoyed it that much. We love the holidays because they're a celebration of the origins of that day. We celebrate Christmas because we find Jesus worthy of celebrating. We find his birth something to be recognized every single year. We see the magnitude, and so we celebrate. But traditions change. Traditions change, and they can only take us so far. There's no substitute today for a relationship with Jesus. When our customs and traditions fail, God will continually offer the victory that we need in life. When life is tough, have yourself a merry little Christmas doesn't seem to help very much. It's a great tradition. It's a beautiful song. But when you're having yourself an unmerry little Christmas, no one wants to be told to have yourself a merry little Christmas. 
Traditional as it may be, there's sometimes traditions just don't help us. They just don't take us far enough in the direction that, that we are trying to go. In our text today, we see the writings of Paul to the church of Corinth, and he says, uh, essentially, these dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. These dying bodies can't take on what's going to last forever. But let me tell you a little secret, he says. All right? He's kind of, let me tell you what's, what's really going on here. We aren't dying like you think. All right, everybody still got a pulse in here, right? We aren't dying like you think. No, we will be transformed. We will be transformed when the trumpet sounds and the twinkling of an eye. We will be transformed into bodies living forever. Then scripture is fulfilled when it says, death is swallowed by victory. Death, where is your sting? Thank God he gives us victory over sin and death. And so he tells us to continue on, to, to press forward. Okay, victory, victory is ushered in by the laying down of the earthly things and the gathering of the godly things. And so today we talk about traditions, and again, they're, they're fantastic, but sometimes you have to lay down what has always been in order to pick up what will always be. You have to get rid of the earthly dying body to take on the body that you will inherit in the kingdom of God. My hope today is that in this Christmas season that we don't get rutted in the things of this world, things that will one day end, but instead that we will recognize that we are celebrating the coming of a Savior that brings more into your life than any feel-good tradition you could ever have. Enjoy these. Yes, we're going to have a lot of fun today, but we need to celebrate Him. Our victory comes from Him and nothing else. And so when it's time to start celebrating, when it's time to spend our time evaluating, it should all point to Him. If you got your Bibles open, still so turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Haha, ha, it's Christmas. It's not Luke chapter 2. You guys like that? Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to kind of jump around here starting in verse 11. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have a great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Jumping down to verse 18, it says, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until this child is born. For my words will, will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Now down to verse uh, 57. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had uh, been very merciful to her, Everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came uh, for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. Tradition. They wanted to name him the traditional name. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak, or I'm sorry, jumping down, uh, what they exclaimed, there is no one in all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted the name to be. 
He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. I'm going to jump down to uh, 67, where it says, Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. The last passage I'll read says, And you, my little son, will be called a prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Amen. So Zachariah and Elizabeth are about to have a child. When Gabriel tells Zachariah, Zachariah is in doubt because he's an old man and there's no possible way that this could be happening now. But because of his doubt, God, or the angel of the Lord tells him, congratulations, you're now mute. Just press that button on you. Since you don't believe me, I'm stripping you of the opportunity to even talk about this, essentially. God himself sent me and you don't believe me. Some prophet you are, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine smarting off to God or to the angel of God and him just being like, meh, 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 mute. <laughs> Say something again, see what happens. Question me now. But if we look at what occurs here, Zachariah is standing in the temple of God in the presence of an angel, and he has doubt in his heart. So when we say, can you imagine? Yeah, we can, you know, kind of imagine the oddity of being muted, but can you imagine standing in the temple and Gabriel coming into your midst and speaking to you and still having doubt in your heart? It's just absolutely uh, wild to me to, to think that way. But in his own way, Zechariah is, is almost defiling the place of God. He has brought his flesh into a holy place and into a holy situation. According to the Bible, God. Uh, shall destroy those who corrupt his temple. Tradition of that time tells us that Zechariah should have been dealt with. He should, quite frankly, have been killed for his actions in the temple that day, according to the way uh, God feels about his house. But when he composed himself at the birth of John, God restored him. He gave him his, his voice back. Mercy was shown on Zechariah when he stepped out of past tradition. Whenever he acknowledged in the presence of everyone that, no, I know you think his name should be Zachariah, but his name is and will be John. Even though I've been punished for what's going on, and even though I didn't believe it, guess what? I'm naming him John because I found out the hard way how God feels about this, right? Mercy was shown when he stepped out of tradition. People were like, John, you don't even have a John. You don't know no John. Why would you name him John? Our customs tell us that he should carry your name. But when those parents valued the will of God over what normal had to say, mercy was brought forth and extended to Zechariah. So today, you may be here. You may be feeling hurt, uh, broken, or unsavable. But I've come to tell you that if you are willing to go beyond what everyone else has ever taught you, 
what everyone else has ever told you. And if you will just pursue Jesus, you will find salvation. I believe that his mercy is for everyone. But I also believe that sometimes you're going to have to lay down that old dying body and put on the new body that Jesus calls you to wear before you can go into heaven, before you ever fully understand and receive the mercy of God that he wants to show you. I know it seems like uh, it's easy to do what we've always done. I know it's uncomfortable to go against the grain, but I also believe that when you go against the grain, God meets you there. God meets you in the dark places and in the difficult places. What if, what if Elizabeth and Zechariah would have followed their tradition instead of God? What if they wouldn't have named him John? The Bible never really tells us, you know, what the repercussions would be. But we could see by the willingness of God to punish uh, Zechariah right, the, the, uh, right off the bat just for saying what? Uh, that it probably wouldn't be good. Right? So Zechariah was a member of the, the priestly order. He was uh, to help maintain the temple in all operations. That is who he was. And even Elizabeth came from the lineage, the Bible says, of Aaron, who again was in priesthood himself. So by all rights, everyone would look at this baby and think baby Zechariah will probably be a priest like his daddy and like his uncles and like his grandpas and like everybody else in his family. But it's quite evident by the name change that God was separating John from what had always been in an attempt to draw him into something completely new. It's important that he changes the name. Zechariah uh, was who he was, but John was to be something completely different. God had other plans. Aside from Jesus, John the Baptist would be one of the most influential people in the entire Bible. Prophesying about his own son, Zechariah says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare, prepare the way for the Lord. So from the very get-go, we knew that John was something special. He was something different. At this time, priests would take care of the house of God. They were not necessarily going out, just reaching everyone and, and, and uh, evangelizing the way we would view it now. So John wasn't to be a priest. He was to be a messenger. He was sent to tell all the people of the new things that were to come. If tradition won, if tradition won in the life of John, John would have never had the impact he did. And so because of that, I can tell you with all certainty today, that whenever you lay aside traditions that are holding you back from God and you pursue him with all the authority you have within your body, that God brings new purpose into your life. Things that would never be possible for anybody else become possible for you. Callings that don't make sense to anybody else, you're gonna be a messenger for what? You're gonna go tell who, how, where? No, it doesn't matter. People won't understand because what you have is a new purpose that no one else has experienced before. I believe that something uh, is set aside special for each and every one of us in the kingdom of God. And so today, maybe we struggle to get over past, or maybe you feel God calling you to something more. But I can tell you that as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, dying bodies can't inherit what lasts forever. And so if you will accept the identity that God is calling you into above and beyond everything else that's always been, you will find the new body that Christ is talking about the new body that Christ requires of us to get into heaven. Looking at verses 67 through 75, and I'll just uh, kind of bypass them today as we've already read them. But we could see that 
uh, when Zachariah confirmed the will of God by naming his son John, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell upon him and he prophesied. When we put God first, this entire prophecy that he, he's talking about is about the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus that no one else really knows about yet, except for Mary, Joseph, Elizabeth, and, and now Zechariah, the people in this room. It, it's not like the stars already appeared and the shepherds have already, they're on their way and now comes John. No, this is all before Jesus, the story of Jesus was ever foretold. So whenever, whenever he begins to prophesy that, hey, you're going to be the messenger of the one. You're going to be the messenger of our Savior. The Bible says very specifically, you will be the one that goes before our Savior. We could see that whenever uh, Zechariah is obedient, that it brings salvation into the life of people around us. The children of Israel have been looking for quite some time for a Savior. They've been passed from, from slave to slave to slave to bondage to bondage to bondage to different God to different God to different God. They're looking for the one. And because of, of their willingness to pursue God, even above tradition, that salvation that everyone is waiting on is now exemplified for the very first time. So when we talk about traditions, yes, they're great. Yes, they're good. Yes, we should honor traditions. But I can also tell you that tradition is not a substitute for a relationship with Jesus Christ. I can also tell you that whenever you develop that relationship with Jesus Christ, tradition becomes exactly what it is, a celebration. When you walk into this house, you should walk in with, with expectancy. You should walk in with worship on your heart. All those things are fantastic. We should feel that way. But we should feel that way not out of obligation, but because we are celebrating what we now know and understand due to the new body that we are putting on in Jesus Christ. When we put God first, it brings salvation into the lives of everyone around us. So Jesus isn't born. The angel hasn't appeared to shepherds or kings. Really, the only ones who know are the, the people uh, in, this, in this story. Through the fulfillment of God's plan, people for the first time are hearing of a Savior sent just for them. And more than ever, this world needs a church that is willing to go beyond what is normal to extend that and only that to the entire world. You have the Savior. The world is looking for the Savior. Let's put them together, shall we? That's what we're trying to do today is save as many as we possibly can. Amen. We have to be willing to, to give them what no one else can. Some people are so steeped in, in their religion that they miss what God is trying to do. And some people are deterred by traditions uh, uh, because of religion. They see surrounding the things of God that they are too afraid to get close. How many of you know someone who loves God but doesn't come to church? You think it's because of God or you think it's because there's some tradition, there's some method there that they are in some way uncomfortable with? When we, when we lead with Jesus and not with tradition, we bring uh, Jesus and the sinner that he came to seek and save together. I think any church that is trying to make a difference in the world should be applauded. But I also think that Jesus came to seek and to save, and because of that, just an applause doesn't cut it. Just an applause won't do. I want to connect people with Jesus. Amen. That is what we are here to do today, to connect people to Jesus. That happens when we get people to taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We don't bring them and say, taste and see how good God is. 
But also, check out the tableware you got for the meal. Check out how good our traditions are. Check out how good we are at this. Check out how good our music. No, it's not about any of that. It's about connecting people to Jesus Christ and nothing else. He is victorious. Our victory comes from him. Our salvation comes from him. And that is the only thing that matters in the heart and the mind of someone looking for that Savior today. When we sing, Lord, you are good, we're not just singing that because we like the melody. We're not just singing that because it flows right in the the service that we're we're trying to put together. We sing that because we recognize and we are celebrating how good he is. Everything should point back to him. That plan, the plan that, that we should be pushing our entire church, our entire lives to, is victory over sin. And that only happens when we pursue him and not the things of this world. When we look at the the birth of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, we see what a difference God makes. He gives us new life where tradition binds us to what has always been. He shows mercy where tradition, quite frankly, condemns. He offers salvation that comes only from a worthy Savior and nothing else. You know what I call someone who has been shown mercy, given a new name, and saved by Jesus Christ? Victorious. Victorious. We all talk about, we all sing about being victorious. We all sing about the goodness of God, and that's fantastic. But if you want to find someone victorious, they've got to be saved by God. They've got to receive his salvation today. This is what Paul is writing about in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, when he says, then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, then this scripture will be fulfilled. Death, you're swallowed in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting, death? How come you have no power here? He's talking about saving people. He's talking about new life for people and our rejoicing and our victory that comes from Jesus when we make that, that exchange. We trade our flesh for a spirit ready for heaven. Amen. Would our music come today? It's Christmas season, and we should celebrate. We should celebrate. But first and foremost, we need to celebrate him. I love many of our traditions, and I hope that, that, that you enjoy them. And, you know, here in just a few hours, we're going to go do one of the probably the favorite tradition of many of the people in this room around Christmas time. And I'm glad we get to share that together. That's, that's wonderful. That's excellent. But this Christmas, my prayer for you is that we spend more time giving honor to the one who saves us than we do dwelling on the things that have no impact on the new life we are to be living. Just to put it bluntly, I like Christmas cookies. They don't save me. I could sing Christmas songs with the best of them. Not on key, but I know them. But guess what? Those don't save me either. They're good. They're great. They're wonderful. Enjoy those things. But guess what? You don't take those things with you. They don't get you to where you're going. There's just something for us to enjoy along the way. And so today, I, I, you know, I'm thankful for a life lived full of 
of good traditions. But I'm here to tell somebody that Jesus saves. And that's what I'm celebrating. Jesus saves. And that's why I'm victorious. Jesus came as a baby with more power than anyone else will ever have. And because of that, we are victorious. He came robed in flesh knowing the outcome. And he did that to save. He didn't come here so we could have the world's biggest birthday party every single year for him. Although that's great too. He's the one that deserves it. Jesus came to this earth as a baby knowing the outcome of his life and what he must do. And he chose to do it so that we could be victorious. I'm here to tell you today, if you're someone who just gets comfortable sitting where you're at, whether it's in tradition or otherwise, it's going to be hard for you to win the battle. It's going to be hard for you to win a game you don't play. And so today, it's more than just what we've always done. It's more than what we've always taken part of. It's more than the pleasantries of life. It's about getting to Jesus and getting as many people to him as we can. And when we make that exchange, when we, whenever we, we enter a relationship with Jesus and we get that new body, it's a time to celebrate. It's a time to, to reflect and thank him for what he's done. I mean, would you stand with me today? Do you believe Jesus saves? Do you believe Jesus saved you? Do you believe that he could save others? Do you believe that he could save anybody? He's victorious. When Paul writes, death wears your sting, he's saying that because he knows where his victory comes from. It comes from an encounter with Jesus when that old body is taken away and he's given a new one that lasts forever. And so today, no matter what your circumstances are, you need to understand that Jesus saves. He has all victory in heaven and on earth. There's nothing that he can't conquer. There's nothing that he is not bigger than. There's nothing that he doesn't have dominion over. There's no addiction you have that God can't beat. There's no depression you have that God can't pull you out of into his marvelous light with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's that kind of God. He is victorious. And my prayer today is that you experience that if you have not. And so today I'm not here to embarrass anyone or to make anyone uncomfortable. But if you have yet to receive what God has in store for you, if you know that God is calling you to something, you know that God is pulling on your heartstrings to go deeper and to go farther, then you need to do that today. You need to experience that today. And we want to give you that opportunity. Or maybe you are a, what I call a lifer. Maybe you've grown up in this. And we just need some perspective to bring us back to focus. This season is all about him and the victory we receive from him. 
verse 57 of 1 Corinthians says, but thank God, exclamation point. But thank God, exclaimed. And then it goes on to say, he gives us victory over sin and grave through our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand today, it's two separate sentences. Yes, we should thank God because he gives us victory. But the first thing in that, in that verse is, thank God. It's not a, thanks Lord. It's a, you should thank God. Because he gives us victory over sin and death. And so here we are today, and, and maybe some of us have experienced the love of Jesus Christ, and I hope you have, and I, I thank God for that. But you should thank God today. Because he does give us victory over sin and grave through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All across this place, no matter your circumstance, no matter whether you are new or old, no matter what is going on in your life, if you believe that Jesus saves and you have victory through him, why don't you just lift your hands? Why don't you lift your voice and just begin to call on him? Why don't you begin to thank him for all that he's done in your life? Why don't you connect with him and tell him what it is you want in your life? I mean, Jesus is in this place for you. He came just for you today. Jesus, in your name, Lord, right now, I pray a blessing. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.